Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. This teaching is from the series, Behold the Lamb of God. This year, in celebration of Advent, we will be focusing on some aspect of the coming of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Good morning. How are we all doing this morning? Um, as, you, as you know, uh, we are going over Advent, we're going over Passover. Uh, it's a wonderful time of reflection and remembrance for us. Um, we've already read our text. Our text is Exodus 12, <clears throat> verses uh, 1 through 12. Um, it's been read for the Advent. There we go. Do I need to start over? Is everybody able to hear me? Okay. <clears throat> um, I w- I'd like to highlight the... Uh, main part of what's going on, which is Exodus 1, 12, and 13. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No plague will be befall or destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So that's the main focus of what we're talking about. That's the main focus of the text that we're going to be working on. Um, I want to back up one quick second and tell a quick little story. Some quick, it's really not even a story. It's really more of a personality test. Um, imagine it's July. All, all of, most of us are Maryland, Marylanders or have been here long enough to understand what July can be like. Uh, you walk outside and it's 100 degrees and the heat index is 110. The humidity's so thick that as soon as you walk outside, it's, it's just gross. Uh, you're just covered in it, you're sticking in it. You don't even want to go outside, but you have to. Uh, we're, we're lucky, we're fortunate, because in our story, we're going to go to a swimming pool. Uh, so you, you, guys <laughs> you guys are going to a pool. Um, there's, there's one of two people. Uh, you've all known this since you were little kids. There's the guy, imagine this is the pool, does this, does this, does this covers himself and decides whether or not he's going to jump in the pool. And then there's the guy, I'm not going to jump off the stage, don't worry, that just runs and jumps in the pool, just launches himself in the pool. So take a second and decide uh, who you are. Um, you know who you are. It's, 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 it's pretty elementary. You're either the guy who jumps in or you're the guy who tests the water, checks everything out, and, and sees where they are. Um, so just put that in the back of your head. We're going to come back to that. Just Just... Identify with who you are in this case. Uh, We're going to go through the background of our story now, because before we get to the Passover, before we get to this part of the book of Exodus, uh, a lot has gone on in the first 12 chapters of this book. A lot has happened from from Moses being a baby to growing up and and going to set his people free. Uh, The background is chapter 1. Pharaoh sees what's going on. He's a new king. Um, he is not a sympathizer with Joseph. Uh, if you remember, Joseph was saw in a great light. He was blessed by the pharaohs. Uh, this is a new pharaoh, and he's like, these Israelites are a problem. Uh, they're a growing problem. If we have any kind of a war or any nation comes and invades us, they're going to be a problem from within. They are going to attack us from within. They are a huge problem. They are not part of who we are, and we need to deal with them. And the way we need to deal with them is we need to basically smack them down 
Uh, we need to let them know who, who the boss is, who, who the kingdom belongs to. So we are going to enslave them. So we're going to set masters over them. Uh, very similar to what the bells sang, uh, being set free. They were, they were enslaved. The people of Israel were enslaved. They needed to be set free. They weren't just living there, you know, in a foreign land. They were, they were enslaved, okay? They were slaves to the Egyptian people. Uh, he, he decided that the only way to handle them is to basically set them down as a lowest class possible. Um, and he was, a, he was not a nice guy. And we'll learn, learn as we go through the story. Um, you know, none of us have had to, to even consider this as something we've had to do involuntarily. But, I mean, imagine making bricks, uh, working in a field, you know, hard, hard labor. Uh, there's a point in our story about, just to, to show the cruelty, cruelty of the Pharaoh. There's a point in the story when Moses goes to him. Pharaoh says, okay, you're going to make your bricks, but you can't have any straw. Okay, there, it's not possible to make a brick in those times without straw. Straw is what bound the bricks together. Straw is what held the brick together. So if you, if you made a brick and set it out to dry with nothing tying it together, it would just fall apart. It was basically pointless. So they had, to, they had to have straw. They couldn't make it without it. They had to have it, but Pharaoh wasn't giving it to them. So, so beyond just making a brick, which I read about, I'm not going to go over, but it, it's like a two-week process. It's not, it's not like you just pack a brick together and it's done. There's a lot to it. Um, just a real quick overview. They actually had these big pits where they would, would mash, almost like making wine. They would mash mud. Uh, they, it would take them a long time. They would mash it for four days, and then they would set it out. They would dry it, and, and it was this long procedure. Uh, without that straw, it wasn't possible. So they had to go out and find their own straw. So beyond the hard labor of making the brick, now you have to supply your own materials. This guy, and you better not drop in production. You know, if production drops, you're going to get whipped. You're going to get beat, okay? So not only do you have to do all the work, now you need to go out and find your own materials to do the work. Uh, so anybody who's ever put anything together, you went to the hardware store and you bought material, it wasn't happening. You needed to go cut the tree down. Um, God raised Moses up in the early part of our uh, book here. He tells Moses that you are the man who is going to set my people free. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Moses in the end, but it's a big part of our story. As, we, as we're moving into this, God raises Moses up. You have Moses at the burning bush. You have God telling Moses that you are the guy that's going to set my people free. Uh, Moses goes to Pharaoh. When Moses goes to Pharaoh, after he finally accepts this, and we're going to go back over, uh, Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, you need to set my people free and allow my people to worship God. Okay, this whole thing was about allowing them to worship God. The whole story was God wanted to be worshipped. God wants to be worshipped. God yearns for our worship. Okay, he wants to be worshipped. Okay, so this whole story is about Moses coming to Pharaoh and saying, let my people worship in the field. Let me set up sacrifices. I will go outside of the city and I will worship. And Pharaoh says, no. So what happens? God sends plagues. Okay, we, we know the stories of the plagues. We know what's going on. Um, God turns water into blood, sends frogs, sends insects, uh, kills animals, disease, 
livestock diseases, boils, hail, locusts, darkness. There is a ton, a ton going on before we get to our section of the story. Okay, and an interesting side note is every time until this last part of the story, when Moses goes to Pharaoh, he says, let my people go or, okay? He says, let my people go or. He, he gives Pharaoh an option. Uh, when we get to the last one, he does not. Uh, the people groups that we have to deal with in our story, there's, there's three, two people groups and three main characters. Um, the people groups are the Israelites, the Egyptians, and the lamb. The lamb's not a people group, it's a character. Without the lamb, this is a pretty dismal story. Um, so who are the Israelites? Uh, we learned last week from Jer that they're descendants of Abraham, uh, that they are God's chosen people. Their leader, as, as, we, as we already know, is Moses. Moses came to lead them. Uh, was Moses a good guy? Was Moses the most holy, uh, most qualified guy for the job? I would say no from what we read. I would say that he's probably not the best speaker. Um, he, we, we, know that, we know that he killed a man. Uh, we know the reason that you know, Moses, Moses was born, sent down the river, grew up in the palace. Most of us know this story. He grew up as a king or a prince, more than a king, but a prince. Um, he, at that point, saw his people, the Hebrews, being mistreated because he knew that he was a Hebrew because his mother was his maidservant. He decided to commit murder. He killed another Egyptian, at which point he had to flee for his life. He had to get out of town because the wrath of Pharaoh, who we already know is not a nice guy, was going to come down upon him. So he left. He left for a spell. Um, you know, does, does God call people that we wouldn't expect? Absolutely, without a doubt. Because, I mean, I don't think that, like in my mind, if I go through it, you know, I'm not going to go to the Anne Arundel County Prison and find a murderer, you know, to do what Pharaoh, to do what Moses did. Uh, but God says, that's my guy. Uh, Moses then still doesn't want to do it. Um, even after he's, you know, seen what God has for him, he still, he says, you know, I do not like to speak in public. I, I, I detest speaking in public. I'm going to stutter. I'm going to trip over my words. I am, I'm not your guy. I am not a, I am not a politician. I am not a, a, a wordy ruler. You know, I'm not your guy. In which God says, you're my guy. He says, I'll, I'll give you help. You've complained enough that I'm tired of hearing it, so I'm going to give you help. I'm going to give you Aaron to help you, but you're still my guy. Um, in... In chapter, that was in, that was Exodus four ten, Exodus four thirteen. He he flat out says, you know, he's already he's already said that you know I'm not eloquent. Please don't use me. Um, he he came up with an excuse, and, and and then he just basically does the same thing that Jesus does and says, please, please find somebody else. Please, 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 please. And God says no. God says you are you are the man for the job, and God uses Moses. God uses Moses mightily. And there's, there's plenty of times, and, you know, just to regress a little bit, there's plenty of times in our own lives that there are things that um, we know we should do that we don't want to. You know, and this is a good reflection. This is a good, this is, this, is, this is why these stories are important, because we need to know that God has called us to do things that may be uncomfortable. Um, 
The next people group in our story are, are the Egyptians. Um, this is the ruling class. These are the captors of Israel. The, these guys are the kings and princes. And you know, to be an Egyptian is here. To be an Israelite is here. Uh, there's no, there's no doubt about it. You know, Egyptians top, Israelites probably bottom. There may be some in between. But you know, if if you were born as an Egyptian, you had the world handed to you as best as it could be in, in this people group. Uh, their, their ruler is Pharaoh. Uh, we already know that Pharaoh is not a nice guy. Excuse me, one sec. We've already talked about uh, Pharaoh sees the Israelites as a growing problem. They need to be dealt with. They need to be told who's boss. They need to be set straight. Okay, so Pharaoh decides to do that. Um, God used Pharaoh as, as much as we like to think as Pharaoh is the evil, nasty guy that we don't like in the story. God used his hard heart. You know, God used Pharaoh to let this people free. Uh, God used Pharaoh in the story. Uh, he was used by God, not in the way that I want to be used by God by any means, but he was used by God. Um, interesting, interesting note on Pharaoh and the history of when you read this story, um, what, what I've never thought about until I did this, was Pharaoh in the Egyptian culture was a human manifestation of the gods. So Pharaoh believed himself to be a god. Okay? And sometimes we want to get up on that Pharaoh throne. Please don't. Pharaoh believed himself to be a god. So when somebody comes in and says, I want to worship my god, Pharaoh's like, here I am. Okay? So it's, it's something that doesn't click in our story because we think Pharaoh is just an evil king, an evil man. Culturally, he was a, he was a human manifestation of the gods. Okay, that's, that's what he was. So when somebody came in to challenge his godship, that was a problem, a huge problem for him. It's also a huge problem for the people because if he is to submit to allow that to happen, what, what is the nation of Egypt going to think of him as a god king? Okay, he was under, he was under a, a, immense pressure on either side of this story. Mm -hmm. um, <coughs> so Moses comes to him the last time, and Moses doesn't say, let my people go. Moses says, this is what the Lord says at about midnight. I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die. From the firstborn son of Pharaoh, who sits on the throne, to the firstborn son of the female slave, who is at her handmill, and all the firstborn cattle as well. That's Exodus 11, 4 and 5. That's the uh, chapter before where we are. Moses just comes in and says it. This is what's going to happen. Um, they, they actually mention that Moses leaves angry at this point. He was, he was very upset. Uh, after he had, after he said that, it, it, it bothered him to say that, but he had no, he had no choice because that's what God told him to say. Uh, that brings us to the third part of our story. So this is going to happen at about midnight. This hasn't happened yet. The lamb, the lamb that was presented all morning long. I, I feel like I'm very redundant today, but that's good. That's good because that's how we learn. Uh, the lamb that was that was presented 
um, for salvation. God gave them a plan. God gave them a way out. Uh, God gives us a way out. God gave us his son. We're going to talk more about that as we go. Um, without that lamb, this is a massacre. This is just a massacre. This is just a story that you don't even want to think about or read. There's no happy. There's no joy. There's no Jesus in the story. So without this last part, this last character in the story, the lambs that were sacrificed, this would just, this would be bad news. It, it, it would not be a story that we would want to talk about, think about, and remember, because it's just death. Um, the lamb was God's provision from certain death. Without this lamb, without this sacrifice, without God's plan in place, there was no way out. Uh, the, the, the few things that we learned about the lamb this morning already is that it was to be unblemished, a male. It was to be the best of the best. It could be a sheep. It could be a goat. God allowed that either way. But it had to be the best of the best, the best that you had to offer. It wasn't, it wasn't the broken-legged lamb. It wasn't the, you know, the, the worst of. It was the best of the best. Give God your best. It's, it's a model for us. Give God your best. Um, God had to, it's, it's funny when, you, when, you, you know, when, I, when I went over this story, God brought the destruction. God brought the salvation. It, it, it seems to me, you know, when we read that story over and over again, and even with the story of Christ, um, God brought the destruction, and, and he, he gave us a means of grace. He gave us a means of salvation. It seems as though God could just have flipped the switch and just allowed it not to happen. But that's not God's plan. God's plan is for us to be obedient to him. God's plan is for us to follow him. God's plan is for us to want to be a part of what he's doing, okay? So it's not a, you know, you think, this would just be easier just not to, you know, just say, God says, no, it's not going to happen now. You know, you guys go about your business. That's not what God's plan is. God's going to put us, he's going to weather us. He's going to put us in the storm. He's going to allow us to, to go through some things that, that may not be comfortable. But when we come out of that storm, when we come out of that other side of that, uh, what a, a, a rejoice we will have, what a happy heart we will have. We'll be able to look back and say, wow, I didn't think I could do that. I didn't think that was possible. So now we're to the, to the fun part of the story, if there, if there is one. It's, uh, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a gloom and, and happy all at the same time. Um, God chooses to set his people free. God chooses to allow the Israelites to go free. It was God's plan to allow these people to be set free. Um, Exodus 12, 29, and 32. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on the throne, to the firstborn of the captive, who was in the dungeon, all of the firstborn of the livestock. The Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt. For there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go. Serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. Exodus 12, 29, 32. Um, interesting note, when they read this morning, uh, I don't know if you guys picked up on it, but... He, he told the Israelites to be ready. This wasn't a Thanksgiving meal that they were going to sit down and, and be all day. It was, we're going to eat in haste. We're going to have our belts on. 
We're going to have our staffs in our hand. We're going to have our shoes on. We're ready to go. We're ready to do something. Um, they knew something was going to happen. They knew God had prepared them. They knew that they were going. They, they, they weren't comfortable. Um, it's probably a very strange situation. I can't even imagine being in the situation that they were in. I mean, they're, they're eating in haste. They're, there's a lot of fear, a lot of trembling. Um, it's, it's not always God's plan. I, I guess what I'm getting to is God's plan is not always easy. God's plan is not always comfortable. God's plan is not always the easy road. Sometimes we think, well, if it's not easy, it must not be God's plan. That's us American Christians. Um, so, so God chose to judge the Egyptians. Uh, God chose to bring judgment on them. Uh, he allowed that to happen. We need to understand that, that he allowed that. He, he chose to save the Israelites from death. Um, God chose to send his son for us. Uh, he chose to give us a way out. He gave us a, a redemptive lamb. Um, I just want to go into applying the word. And I just want to, you know, it's, it's pretty obvious. We've, we've been talking about it all morning long, but who is the lamb? Who is the lamb? Okay, Jesus is the lamb. No doubt about it. I mean, this, this type, there's types and shadows through the whole Old Testament, but this is not one that, you know, you need any special decoder ring to figure out. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty basic. It's pretty easy. Um, who does the lamb represent? First uh, Corinthians. Therefore, purge out the old leaven, that you may have a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Uh, I'm going to just go through all three of these. The next day... John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John 1.29. And then this was read as part, of our, as part of our Advent. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Uh, Jesus Christ fulfilled promise, the symbolism, everything that was the Passover. There is no doubt that Jesus came as a full picture of what he gave to the Israelites in Egypt. There is, there is no doubt that Christ died on the cross for our sins. He is our lamb. He is our salvation. There's, there's no doubt that the lamb is Christ. There's, there's, it's pretty basic, pretty easy. Um, now I need to ask a question that hopefully is evident, but maybe it's not. Who are you? Who are you in the story? Uh, are you an Egyptian? Are you the unsaved of the world, the people who think Jesus is a joke, people who are unrepentative, uh, in our mind doesn't get it, but they think they got it. They think they got it all, and they think we don't get it. They think we're weak-minded and silly. Or are you an Israelite, uh, a, a Christian redeemed by the Lamb? Have you been washed in the blood of Christ? Have you been washed with the blood of the Lamb? Only you know that answer. And if you don't know that answer, we're going to talk. Um, you know, God chose to save the Israelites. The Israelites weren't perfect. 
the Israelites were sinful people. Uh, they were not by any means. They were God's chosen people. Okay, we are God's chosen people. But there, but there is no means does God expect you to be perfect or think that you can maintain perfection because you can't. That's why Jesus came. Uh, the Israelites were by no means perfect. I mean, you look, you look just a little farther in our story and there, all, all the wonderful things that the Egyptians gave them on the way out, they're building their own God with. So, you know, even after they saw this, it, the sin was right behind it. Um, and last quick section is, you know, we need the lamb. We need the lamb. We need that grace. We need the salvation. Without the lamb, without the lamb in the story, without the lamb on the cross, you know, there's really no point in church. There's, there's no point in really living this life. Uh, without Jesus, this is it's just an existence. It has no meaning. It has, it has nothing, um, which I know it's a lot to say, but there's no doubt about it. And, and sometimes I think we need to refocus the way we think because we get really tied up in things that don't matter. There's a lot of things that we get tied up in that don't matter. And, and we need to go back and we need to remember these stories and talk about these stories, even though they're fairly basic stories that we've been, most of us have heard since we've been little and growing up. We need to remember them. We need to understand what they are so that we can reflect on them and say, yes, I need a Savior. Um, we're all sinners. I'm going to read one more, one more quick scripture verse. Uh, Romans 3, 21 through 26. It's just, it's just to be scripturally evident that we all need a lamb. There's, there's just no doubt that we need it. But now the righteous of God have been manifested apart from the law. Although the law of the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. This was to show God's righteousness. Because of his divine forbearance, he has passed over former sin. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Um, we have all, who have come to the knowledge of salvation, been proclaimed righteous because we believe. Okay, it's the belief that you have, it's the faith that you have. That faith has made you righteous. That faith has made you without sin in God's eyes. Something to be excited about. It's something to be happy about. Um, there's, there's, you know, there's nothing we can do. There's, there's nothing that we can do to grab this. Okay? We need to be excited that God gave us the land, that God, that God showed us the Passover, showed us the story of Moses, as a, as a precursor to the story of Christ on the cross. Um, we need to be excited about the season that we're in. The, you know, we are in a, a wonderful season to celebrate the birth of Christ. Uh, we need to remember these stories. These stories need to be passed along. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up. I want to wrap up going back to our swimming pool. All right? Going back to our swimming pool, which July was hot. Remember how hot it was. Okay, you guys are covered in it. You're covered in it. Sweat dripping off of you. The hottest day that you guys can remember in your lives, this is that day. Okay? And that, that sweat and that sticky and that disgusting, that's sin. Okay? That's sin. 
All right, just, just think of that picture, okay? It's out there. It's everywhere. You walk outside your door, and it's everywhere, okay? That pool is God's grace, Christ's full redemption, his full work, okay? We need to not tiptoe around, not to, not to play with it, not to put our elbow in it, not to splash it on us a little bit and walk away. We need to jump in. We need to dive in to God's full redemption that he has for us, okay? He has that for us. It's right there. It's a gift. It's a gift that he gave us. He gave us this wonderful gift. And a lot of times, I, you know, in my Christian walk, I'll be honest with you, I've, I've you know, I've played with it. I, I didn't jump in. I, I wasn't what God wanted me to be all the time, and nobody ever has been, so don't expect to be. Um, and I would just like to challenge that uh, every day, those of us who are saved, those of us who know where our eternity is going to be spent, remember these stories. Remember, remember daily, remember every day what God has done for you. Remember the grace that God has shown for you. When you're, when you're sitting in traffic and <laughs> you're, you're thinking curse words or saying them, uh, whatever, whatever's going on, uh, remember, remember what God has done for you. Remember the God that, that saved us, okay? Remember that. If, if we lived our lives with that in the forefront of our minds all the time, this would be a different world. This would be a different world that we live in. So these stories are important because we need to remember the knowledge of salvation. We, we need to remember what Christ did for us. And we need to, we need to wake up every day, every morning, Reflect on it, think about it, and know who we are in Christ. And know who we are in Christ. Uh, for anybody here who doesn't know where they're going to spend eternity, I, I would ask you please to come talk to me, talk to Brett, talk to any elder. Probably talk to about 80% of the people in this room or 90% of the people in the room or 99% of the people in this room. Um, we would love to talk to you about it. Uh, if there's anybody here, young or old, that doesn't know what I'm talking about or what I'm talking about sounds a little bit strange, please, please, please come and talk to us. Uh, I thank you guys very much for allowing me to speak with you today. It is a privilege and it is an honor. Uh, Brett is going to do communion because preparing this was enough for me. We're uh, going to come to the communion table, and this is, of course, appropriate, not only because we're talking about the Lamb and we're talking about redemption, but uh, communion comes out of the Last Supper meal, and what was the Last Supper? What were they celebrating? The Passover, the exact thing we've been talking about. And so um, I, this is going to sound a little strange to some of you, but as, as we're going through this, um, I actually thought about a Metallica song, Metallica, the heavy metal group. And the reason I did is, you may be surprised, but one night, the guys in Metallica watched the movie The Ten Commandments. And they were struck by the angel of death reaching out and striking the people of Egypt. And they wrote a song called uh, Creeping Death. And in it, um, death comes and he is speaking to the people, and he says, Die by my hand. I creep across the land, killing firstborn man. Die by my hand. I creep across the land, 
killing firstborn man. Rule the midnight air, the destroyer born, I soon shall be there. Uh, deadly mass eye, creep by the steps and floor, final darkness. And then it says, blood, lamb's blood, painted door, I shall pass. Um, you can find inspiration in the strangest places. Um, I want you to understand and think what that means. If we were there on that night, the Israelites were passed over, not because of any good they had done. It's blood on the door. And death comes, and there's nothing you can do, friend, with death. There's nothing you can do. When death comes and that icy hand reaches through the door, you are taken. It is creeping death, and it rules the midnight air. But when death comes, and it comes on the door where there is blood that has been applied, where the Passover lamb has been killed, death itself is repelled, and death itself says, I shall pass. And that's what God has done for us. And that's what we celebrate as we come here to this table. You and I like the Israelites, have no right to this table. We are not here, we are not celebrating because we are more righteous, because we have done better, because we have strived harder. We are here and we have access to this table and the grace of God, we can dive into that pool, to use God's analogy, because of what Jesus has done. It's all because of him. And so, Today, I, I want to remind us as we come and say, we, we've heard this theme from the beginning of the meeting, and we're going to be hearing it again next week, where we're going to hear David even make some allusions back to Passover as we talk about David and his sin. The news for you and I is, like Moses, like David, we are saved because Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. And so if you are a believer, I invite you to the table today. We, we don't have to figure our own way out. It wasn't a complicated formula. You just let the blood of the lamb be upon you, and you were saved, and you were set free. And after 400 or more years, you get to walk out cleansed and free. And that's the gift that God gives us. And so today I encourage you to come to the table and to celebrate with us. If I can have the ushers go ahead and come forward and get ready. So we're going to uh, reenact. And if I can get some of that. For what I received from the Lord Jesus, I also pass on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out so that your sins may be forgiven. Drink from this, all of you, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, this morning, we thank you.
that Jesus, our Passover lamb, has come, that he has been sacrificed for us, and that therefore we can participate in this festival. We can participate in your meal. Lord, we are so grateful for the Passover lamb, our Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, this morning we ask that your Holy Spirit would minister to us and that as we remember, Lord, it would be like the people of Israel when you told them that even hundreds of years later they were to say, the Lord delivered me from Egypt. Father, today as we eat at this table, reveal to us by your Holy Spirit that we would say it was me. I was delivered from creeping death. The Passover lamb saved me. We ask that you do this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. As you get the elements, please hold on to them, and I encourage you to meditate on what it means that you have been freed from death itself by Christ, and then we will take together. Lord Jesus, as we have considered all this morning so much about the Passover, as we hold this bread in our hands, we are reminded that it was tied in with the Feast of Unleavened Bread. When the house was to be swept clean and all of the leaven and yeast removed so that things could begin anew. And Lord, we are reminded as we hold this bread of how often we have sinned, how often that leaven has been in us, and how though we were the ones who deserved to be broken, it was you, Lord Jesus, who were broken in our behalf. And Lord, we recognize, we see with eyes of faith, when we hear and read that story, Lord, it was Jesus who was the bread for the people. It was Jesus who came to rescue them and to free them from that which had held them in bondage and slavery all of their life. Lord, not just Pharaoh, but the gods of this world. Not just the people of Egypt, but Satan himself. And we thank you that you have done that for us in Jesus. And this morning we eat in faith, believing that Jesus, your body broken, is enough for us and our salvation, for you are our Passover lamb. Take and eat. And Father, it's so clear throughout the Scripture that the price that is due for sin is blood. It is our death. And it is so clear throughout Scripture that we can't pay the price. Father, we need a lamb. And Lord, we are grateful that you did not require our firstborn, but God himself will provide the lamb. We are so grateful, Lord, that though we deserve to have creeping death lay hold of us, that Jesus Christ, the Passover lamb, has been sacrificed and that his blood has cleansed us from sin, that his blood rebukes the very power of death so that we are yours now and forever. And Father, as we hold this cup this morning, we proclaim, as God said, in a world that might mock Christ, 
in a world that may not believe. Father, in taking this cup this morning, we proclaim we believe that Christ is the Passover lamb. We believe that his blood is enough. We believe that his blood is powerful enough for our life. It is powerful enough to conquer death. And through it, we will one day be raised pure, spotless, and clean as the people of God. Thanks be to God for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Passover lamb. Take and drink. Lord, we ask that um, as we go forth this week, you would keep this fixed on our hearts and our minds. Lord, as we are day by day reading through the story, beholding the Lamb of God, Father, I pray that you would open our eyes and that we would see Jesus and all of his glory and all of Scripture. And Father, I pray that as we go out each day, having read your word, Lord, having been encouraged in the story, that we would see Jesus at work all around us. Father, I pray that we would live in the faith, Lord, for the Israelites when it had been 430 years of slavery. All those years, Lord, looking and crying out and wondering where you were when salvation was right at the door. Father, I pray that this week as we go forth, come what may, Lord, we would know that Christ our Lamb has been sacrificed. And that because of that, it is enough, Lord, that our salvation is at the door and that you are at work in and among us. And Father, I pray in the illusion that Paul made when he looked back to this, that we would cleanse our lives of the leaven of sin. Lord, because it distorts and it deforms and it's because of sin that the blood had to be shed. Father, I pray that you would this week form us more into your image, that we would forsake malice and wickedness and instead embrace sincerity and truth and love. By your Holy Spirit, would you work this in us? We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together, and we will conclude with a word of benediction. And I can't think of anything better than basically 1 Corinthians 7 that I'm going to paraphrase here for us. As God's own people, go forth in the peace and mercy and blessing of God that is yours because Christ, your Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for you. Go in the peace and grace of God. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church. Thank you.